morning, Goldale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plain from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here, on another thrilling and very thought-provoking Thursday for Torch Report 508, How Censorship Changes Your Brain. Dun, dun, dun! Friends, today we'll be connecting the dots on this insidious plot, and it's likely to open your eyes, because gone are the days. Now, once upon a time, every reasonable person on the planet probably could have agreed that allowing the government to control the flow of information was a very bad idea. Why? Well, because by controlling what you can or cannot see or hear or read, by controlling the flow of information, the government would be able to directly control what you think and what you believe and how you feel. And this mind control would then, of course, allow them to control your behavior. And when the government controls what you think and what you believe, and when they control how you feel and how you behave, then they've made you a slave to the state. Does that, sound, does that make sense? I'm sure it does. You know, let it sink in. When the government controls what you think and what you believe, and when they control how you feel and how you behave, they've made you a slave to the state. Now, understanding this and knowing instinctively that having the public be enslaved by the state is a really, really bad idea, we Americans were bestowed with a Bill of Rights that was designed to remind people that government enslavement is bad. (laughs) Human rights are good. Government enslavement is bad. But more importantly, the Bill of Rights was designed to prevent the public from being enslaved in the first place. You know, cue the First and Second Amendments. And since it's a thought-provoking Thursday, I'm just going to read the text for you from the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peacefully, peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Aha! It's beautiful! The government shall make no law, none, zero, zilch, nine, no law restricting religion or abridging free speech. Abridging to abridge is to, to cut short, to censor free speech or the free press. And those are incredibly powerful words. We're going to get into it here uh, shortly. But the... The, uh, the government also has no right, from the First Amendment we learn, the government has no right to restrict our ability to peacefully gather together, to assemble, to gather petitions, to correct government wrongdoing. And this, too, of course, is incredibly important. And, of course, when the government does interfere or attempt to prohibit religious freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom to gather, freedom to petition the government for a redress of grievances and such, that is... When the government becomes a tyrant and begins to treat us like slaves, we have this spiffy little Second Amendment, much shorter, which says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A well-regulated militia and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed because it's necessary to the security of freedom. Now, please note, 
that the Second Amendment does not say a government-regulated militia or a state-regulated militia, but instead it says a well-regulated militia, as opposed to, say, you know, marauding gangs of thugs and criminals using firearms to terrorize and pillage the village. Uh, when, when properly understood, the First and the Second Amendments taken together are intended to protect the public from being enslaved by a tyrannical state. Uh, you know, they, they, they knew, they saw it. It's, it's been uh, over and over again in history. The states, they gather power, more power, more power. They turn into tyrants. They trample people's rights and bad things happen. So here's how we, we deal with that. Now, the real beauty of the First and Second Amendment is that they provide a roadmap to preventing such tyranny. So I want to circle back to the issue at hand here. When the government controls what you think and what you believe, and when they control how you feel and how you behave, they've made you a slave to the state. Free speech is the bedrock of a free society. And and the freedom of the press, it's really just a natural extension of free speech. People speaking their minds and sharing their various conflicting perspectives, some more accurate than others, this is both natural and necessary for society to thrive. When it comes to speaking out about injustices and speaking truth to power and all that good stuff, it's really through the press that the voice of the public can be amplified, right? You get a few uppity peasants mouthing off saying, this isn't right, come on, that's not right. Uh, But if you've got the press uh, putting that out there to lots of people, it can amplify the message of injustice, of wrongness, and of tyranny, in theory. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's, it's through personal conversations. It's through books. It's through letters to the editor. It's through op-eds. It's through thought-provoking articles uh, and, you know, truth you can trust, like the torchreport.com. It's through investigative reporting uh, that the public remains informed. In the modern era, of course, this includes podcasts and videos and news channels and websites and social media. And all of this is really just more extension of free speech in the 21st century. These are the means by which information flows throughout society. This is how the public stays informed, how we learn about what's happening in the world around us, in our communities, in society at large. Friends, this... This flow of information is what shapes public opinion, but it's also what shapes our personal beliefs, our perspectives, and our behavior. In yesterday's report, Torch Report 507, Hamilton 68, and Unconventional Warfare, we were discussing how the current whole-of-government approach to information warfare was warping the very fabric of reality. Uh, By flooding the flow of information with military-grade propaganda and simultaneously using weaponized AI like sentinel surveillance and social listening and algorithmic social interventions to censor counter-narrative perspectives, by doing this, the government has effectively captured the public psyche. Now, it should go without saying that this is not only a gross violation of constitutional rights, free speech and free press and all of that, but it also is a gross violation of personal sovereignty and individual liberties. It's like the deepest sort of violation. How can we be free to petition the government for grievances if we are not allowed to learn about what's going on in the first place, right? When state censorship 
prevents the public from learning about the government's criminal behavior, and then state propaganda pumps out all the lies meant to conceal these scandals, then what the hell are we the people going to do? How do we really have any way of knowing uh, what's going on in order to correct the rise of this authoritarian control? Friends, that's precisely the point that we are at today. And I would say uh, in an interesting turn of events, I like it when I'm, you know, I'm doing something, writing something, talking about something, and then a day or two later it comes out. Uh, today there was an article out about how the Global Engagement Center, you may recall yesterday I was talking about the Global Engagement Center. It's a .gov website. Uh, there was an article about how, today about how the Global Engagement Center is currently being sued by news organizations from both the left and the right. So press organizations on the left and the right end of the political spectrum are suing the government global engagement center. Okay, and they're, they're suing them for censorship, essentially. Uh, uncovered in this lawsuit is the fact, these lawsuits, is the fact that there is a vast network of shady organizations that are whitelisting what they deem to be legitimate news sites. And then they're using a so-called dynamic exclusion list. It's dynamically excluding these people from public discourse. You know, it sounds very sophisticated. Uh, but they're using the dynamic exclusion lists to defund disinformation. That's a direct quote, their own words. And I wanted to give you a little taste of the uh, supposedly unbiased assessment of whitelisting and the dynamic exclusion lists. Uh, so I put a screenshot in here from the article. Friends, hey, if you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com. Check out thetorchreport.com, and you'll see this spiffy screenshot of the least risky sites. And then, of course, on the other column, the riskiest sites of all. And you would be uh, shocked, I'm sure, that, to learn that the least risky sites of, for misinformation, uh, that, that would be the NPR, AP, the New York Times, ProPublica, USA Today, Washington Post, I mean, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, these are the most trusted news sources, and on the right side, the riskiest sites are like the New York Post, Reason Magazine, Real Clear Politics, the Daily Wire, the One American News Network, the American Conservative, the Federalist, Newsmax, etc., now, on that chart, there are four highlighted sites, and those are the ones that have filed lawsuits against the government's Global Engagement Center. Two from the left, uh, were the two on the left, BuzzFeed and NPR, they were the first to file, and then now the Daily Wire and the Federalist, they're filing lawsuits at now as well. And I think that it's just, uh, it, it's really interesting. You know, I think at this point... Only a fool would think that any of the supposedly least risky sites are anything but mouthpieces of leftist propaganda. So it's interesting to me that they're filing a lawsuit. And meanwhile, those labeled the riskiest sites, they're all center-right with a kind of conservative slant. So it makes sense to me that they're filing lawsuits. But ultimately, this farcical assessment, this arbitrary labeling of these different news outlets is driving censorship on a massive scale. Try to search for news on anything and take a look at the sources that pop up, okay? What's happening is they're promoting government propaganda and they are burying dissenting perspectives. And this, friends, is just but one example of what the hell's going on all around the world. This is how the government 
via the Global Engagement Center and many other agencies, CISA, etc. This is how the government is controlling the flow of information. This is how they are enslaving the public within their own minds. But friends, it's worse than that. And you might be thinking, Luke, come on, tell me now. I mean, what, 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 what could be worse than having the majority of people happily living in an alternate reality, peacefully enslaved in the illusions carefully created by a government that's controlling what they think and how they feel and how they behave? I mean, come on, what could be worse than that? And just to cut to the chase, I mean, try, if you try to imagine that everyone was living in this subdued state of being, There was nobody out there that had a dissenting opinion or perspective because it simply uh, wasn't allowed. There was no information to stimulate that sort of critical thinking. And no one ever woke up from this subdued state of being because there was no information available to signal that something was terribly, terribly wrong. Can you imagine being a mental slave forever? Friends, if, if the government was actively using... AI to censor any warning signals and relentlessly programming the public with sophisticated propaganda, how would you ever know? How would a person, the average person, the average peasant, the everyday citizen, how would they ever know? And places like North Korea and China come to mind when I think about that. You know, you think about North Korea, think about China, think about the things that we we hear are going on there, right? Why don't more people rise up against these totalitarian governments? And the answer is simple. It's because they do not see the need to rise up. In their minds, there's nothing wrong because they can't see anything wrong. Not only are they blinded by the censorship and the propaganda, meaning they literally do not see anything wrong. It's nowhere in their news feed. But they have also been tamed, subconsciously tamed, with little to no awareness of what's happened to them. And to me, that's absolutely terrifying. To think that the government could subconsciously tame the whole of humanity is freaking terrifying. And yet, Yet, that is exactly what several highly esteemed clinical psychologists were trying to sound the alarm about nearly a century ago. Remember these words and never forget, quote, it is now in the 1940s, it is now technically possible to bring the human mind into a condition of enslavement and submission. It is technically possible to bring the human mind into a condition of enslavement and submission. They influence the mind so slowly and indirectly that we may not even realize what they have done to us. Period. End quote. Comes from the great book by Dr. Yusmerlu, Rape of the Mind. That was the 1940s. And just to drive the point home, continuing on here, quote, The ideal of totalitarian psychology is to tame men, to make them willing tools in the hand of their leaders. Like training, taming has the purpose of making actions automatic. Unlike training, taming does not require the conscious participation of the learner, period, end quote. Friends, subconscious taming is scary stuff. It does not require the conscious participation of the learner. This is the psychology of totalitarian takeovers, okay? To tame men, to enslave people in their minds. And we know that it's possible. And it appears to be prevalent today. 
This is why government censorship and propaganda are so damn dangerous. But what I want to emphasize here, taking all of the above into consideration, all this scary stuff on the table, friends, I want to emphasize that it's actually worse than that. Quote, political conditioning is tampering. It is taking possession of both the simplest and the most complicated nervous patterns of man. It is the battle for the possession of the nerve cells, period, end quote. Coming from one of the most esteemed clinical psychologists in all of human history, political conditioning is tampering. It is the battle for the possession of the nerve cells, taking control of the brain at the biological level, man, what the hell? (laughs) Oh, friends, put it differently here. Uh, Censorship and propaganda rewire the brain. Holy smokes. Zoinks. What are you talking about? You know, yes, it literally directly rewires the brain and allows the government to take possession of the nerve cells. And not only does this rewire patterns of behavior, and if you just look around at society today and take note of all the unnatural behavior, you'll see what I mean. You know, people pissing in a litter box at school. I mean, men thinking they can have babies. It's, I mean, it's sick. It's twisted, right? But it's out there. Unnatural behavior. Why? Because they're taking control, possession of the biological brain. This also changes the way that people vote. It changes the way that people vote. And that is the bottom line. They don't care if they break a few million brains in the process. The censorship and the propaganda directly rewiring the brain into unnatural behavior. Yes, there's going to be some, uh, you know, some, I don't know, you know, residual effect there. Like, oh, yeah, we got like 40% mental health crises or 40% mental health disorders in young adults and all that kind of stuff. But it's ultimately meant to drive, uh, you know, change behavior, but to drive people to vote for socialist enslavement. Uh, You know, think about it this way. Joe Biden is the most popular president ever, ever elected. Joe Biden's, he's a commoner. Joe Biden is the most popular president ever elected, except for maybe Kim Jong-un or Xi Jinping. In the people's, I'm sorry, the Democratic People's Republic of North Korea uh, and in the People's Republic of China, the people love their leaders. Oh, they're so popular, you know? And of course, you know, expressing any other sentiment in the Democratic People's Republic of North Korea or the People's Republic of China, uh, it's strictly prohibited. You can't say anything different, but what's not to love? I mean, come on. Both of these leaders, they're basking in their cult of personality, and they've demonstrated such great leadership through their various anti-corruption campaigns and political reforms like the Corporate Responsibility Management System and the National Supervisory Committee. Just to name a few. I put the links in there. You can check it out. If you go in and look at what these guys have done, it's eerily familiar. Uh, It all sounds so nice and so innocuous. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want corporate responsibility management system and all that? But again, to point it out, it's lies. Uh, When I was reading through it today, friends, I see the time here. going to wrap it up. But I think the favorite uh, uh, political reform by these commie leaders was this one rolled out. uh, It was rolled out by the CCP back in 
2021, March of 2021, it was called the Whole Process People's Democracy. Oh, wow. I mean, no wonder Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party is the leader of the free world. I mean, it's the whole process, people's democracy. And, you know, they were rolling this out when they were bolting people inside their homes and flying drones down the street that said, control your soul's urge for freedom. But, of course, that doesn't stop the WEF, the WHO, or many American politicians from saying that China is the role model for the world. It's because this whole process, people's democracy, is said to promote common prosperity through an improved model of social democracy suited for the needs of the 21st century. Tell me now, friends. What do you think would happen if the whole process people's democracy was put on a ballot in America today? How many people would be duped by the words for this improved model of social democracy suited for the needs of the 21st century? It's common prosperity for all. How many people would believe the lies? And do you know why so many people would believe the lies? Why so many people would be duped by the words, by the language? It's because words have meaning, and meaning leads to emotion. And at a biological level, emotion trumps logic. It's more primitive. It's more predictable. The repetition of words conditions certain emotional responses. This is why propaganda works. And by systematically eliminating conflicting signals via government censorship, governments are in fact able to rewire your brain. And they're doing it every damn day, friends. You might want to tell your friends about that before the most popular sock puppet ever elected gets reelected and the whole process of people's democracy officially comes home to roost. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorchreport.com. Find the heart, click the heart, give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this with someone. Share it with anyone. Share it with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday and all the forward to talking to you again soon.